Hey, welcome to the Brazos Point Living Room. We are so glad you're listening. This week, the three amigos are together. We've got Michelle Masterson, mm-hmm. Randy Dane, mm-hmm. and myself, Joseph Castillo. We're so glad to be here. Uh, man, we are coming towards the end of the end of the Gospel of John. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going to say the end of uh, the small group quarter. <laughs> <laughs> the end of the world as we know it. <laughs> no, the Gospel of John. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. A year. Uh, but good man, gospel. We've got we've got quite a bit this week. Uh, chapter 16. My first question to you guys, though, is this. What is something that never fails to make you feel joyful, no matter how down you might be feeling? Queso. Mm. I had queso at lunch. Did you? Yeah, we went with Ed and Yandi. Mm. And... There was queso. Our Bolivian friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Ed and Joseph have the same birthday, we so do. they got tres leches, cake, and flan. When is that birthday? Uh, <laughs> it's for I me need, to know. I need to put it in it's my calendar. It's for me to know. I need to put it in my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Shelly just ruined something. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, queso. I was going to say also my nephews. Like I think they are hilarious. And um, they bring me a lot of joy, and it's hard to stay in a bad mood when you're playing ridiculous games with your nephews. Hmm. What you, Randy? Okay, so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was giving you a chance to change your answer. <laughs> oh, okay. Hot wings. <laughs> French fries. Mm-hmm. Hamburgers. It's food. Just food. I think I do comfort food, apparently. But, yeah. you know, it's not joy. It's just temporary, momentarily <laughs> happiness. Queso can't provide joy. It's just momentary happiness. Unless you have an endless supply. Do you prefer queso with... No, it's still temporary. Do you prefer queso with or without meat? In it. Depends on the meat. Also depends on the queso. Some places are not good. Mm-hmm. That's true. We had queso when we were on vacation in New Mexico. It was like... Uh, it was like paste. Mm. It, was, oh. it was a good taste. It was a terrible consistency. Huh. Queso fundido. Mm-hmm. It's really good. You bet it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine, my thing that never fails to make me feel joyful, even when I'm down, uh, is I have in my phone this contact picture for Randy. <laughs> 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 and it's a picture of Randy on vacation. And you're about to ride the banana boat with your family. That's right. And Randy's got uh, a helmet on. (laughs) (laughs) And it's such a good photo of you. I'm so happy. Yeah, you are really happy in this photo. Your joy is contagious. It really is. Yeah, it really is. Too kind and not honest enough. Someone asked me for your number the other day, and I said, sure. And I sent them the contact, and then they responded. No, does that the go? Photo. When you send a contact, that goes yeah, with it. Yeah, whatever photo you have. Yep. Who was this someone? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you later, but they they messaged you. But yeah, yeah they awesome. have that photo now, so it's out in the wild. Cool. Well, the reason I had us talking about joy is, I mean, every one of us wishes. We look to the moments uh, where we can find or have joy and peace. It's something we talk about often. And yet our definition of joy and peace might be very different uh, than, than the world around us. You know, the, the Bible really speaks to joy and peace. And I think there's a difference in definition uh, between the way the Bible speaks to it and the way the world around us does. So I have us reading a couple of verses and I'll read them just quickly. One is James chapter one. And 
This is the brother of Jesus, and he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, faith produces perseverance. And then Romans 5 says, Therefore we are justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It goes on to say uh, that we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So, man, my, my question is, man, how does the joy and peace that's described in the Bible differ from the happiness we often hear described in the world? Man, where I go on all of that, like going back to what you said a moment ago of when our definition of joy and peace, uh, you know, is different than the world and then asking how is it different than the world? Honestly, what all of that makes me think is, is it? You mm, know, like, like is my yes, personal? Yes, but for me personally, mm. is it different than the world? Because it should be. And as we're transformed as believers of Jesus, that should also come with a transformation of our, our understanding of peace and joy. But that's really the question that's kind of challenging me is, is mine, is mine different? Mm. And I think it is, but at the same time, we're complicated, and, different enough? We're complicated enough that it can be, not be different enough. Yeah. Mm. That's good. I'm interested what the first readers of that thought, the considerate joy <laughs> when you face trials of many kinds, because, you know, that's something that we have heard before if we've been um, in church or if we've studied the New Testament, like that's kind of a concept that gets thrown out there. But if you're hearing that for the first time, it's just so counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. And so I like that you paired it with the Romans 5 because James tells us trials, you know, produce perseverance. But Romans takes it a couple steps further and says that that suffering produces perseverance, which produces character, which gives us hope. And so that takes me back to the conversations that we've been having for the last few weeks of what it looks like to really find our hope in Jesus. And so I like seeing how that all comes together. Does that mean it's easy to do mm -hmm. whenever those trials come up? No. Um, like Randy said, like I think there's plenty of self-investigating that has to happen there to know, do I? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and as I think through all of that, like here's the, here's the real difference between us and the world. It's that we have a source and they don't. You know, and so not only is Jesus our source of joy and peace, but also the work of the Spirit in us, working to bring about the fruits of love, joy, peace in us, mm -hmm. uh, ultimately doesn't just give us that source, but gives us then a supply chain that keeps that source going. And so, like, as we search our hearts and recognize, is my, is my sense of joy and peace really that different from the world? It's this recognition that it, it ought to be. And if it's not, um, you know, then there's... There's something that needs some work in there inside of me. Hmm. I often think about the joy and peace, the way the world talks about it, is all temporary. I mean, it's it's based on our circumstances. Man, I've felt a ton of joy when I was on vacation, when I was sitting in front of a plate of Mexican food and queso, uh, or peace is, you know, when no one was bothering me or I was unaccessible in my, with my phone, you know, I didn't have service. Uh, and I, I think when I read those verses, I, I, I see... That the Apostle Paul and James are describing something that does not depend on circumstances. And even the Apostle Paul in the Romans verse says, um, you know, and ultimately produces hope. It doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts 
through the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, man, this is all because the Holy Spirit is working in, in, in you. Yeah. And I think it's just a good reminder. Well, and we don't want to under-spiritualize or over-spiritualize this, right? But like those things that you're pointing to, whether they're called little temporary joys or they're more categorized as like happiness, mm-hmm. um, like ultimately we need a theological framework for that too that recognizes that every good and perfect gift comes mm-hmm. from God. And so ultimately, like if queso makes me happy, uh, praise God for that, right? Yeah. You know, because because anything good comes from God and any good that we see or experience ultimately points us to that greater good, the greatest good, the goodness of God and the fact that we have relationship with him. And then ultimately all of those happiness, like they're evidence that point us to that real true source of, source of joy and peace. And, uh, and so they're not bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can be, right? You can yeah. find things that are sinful, but there are plenty of good common graces that ultimately point us back to this reminder of how good God is and mm-hmm. how we how we live in the blessing of experiences, gifts. And honestly, people who aren't in Christ, they have that experience too. Mm-hmm. They experienced common grace. Yeah. But I think this leads to our next question, which is, man, what does it look like to consider times of difficulty and despair pure joy, as James described? And I think about those things. Those are common grace. Those are things that I enjoy and find happiness in. But are those things that can help me to consider the really hard things of life joyful? Yeah, they, that looks like, going back to your question, that looks like uh, an extreme marker of Christian maturity, mm-hmm. right? And not just that it's it, it takes a, a, a good deal of maturity to have that, um, but to have it in the moment as your reflex, Mm-hmm. Right, like I, I think we all know what it's like to get to that space eventually where the hard becomes joyful, and and there's peace ministered to us in those spaces. But what does it look like for that to actually be our reflex where we see it in the moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a different level of of intimacy with God that brings that about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the thing that I've been challenged with the last several weeks is what's my reflex? You know, like on the other side of a trial, I can look back and see, oh, that really shaped me in this way, or it allowed me to better care for somebody in this way or whatever that is, but is my reflex. Like, this is hard. This is really, really tough, but my reflex is to find this joy because God's using it. Well, and I want to get there. I want to grow into that. But I also want to, I'm not going to beat myself up on that, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to recognize that his grace is sufficient for me in that too. And if it's not my reflex, uh, you know, God's, God's gracious mm-hmm. and he yeah. understands and he cares. I think it's helpful too to remind ourselves that if it's not going to be intuitive. It's not going to be our natural reflex and that's okay. And also that having this type of joy in the midst of really hard things isn't just something that you can talk yourself into. It's not just, hey, if you just really look at the bright side of things, if you really just, you know, tried hard enough to see the silver lining, like it really is something that can only come from God. And and it is the Holy Spirit working in you that produces it. When we we live in that space, we really are alien and otherworldly, right? Mm -hmm. And it it looks so uh, opposite of a natural reaction that it does point to God. But then so does the space when we don't reflex into that, but we find God's grace for that. Mm-hmm. That also points to the goodness of God and his mm-hmm. grace. Win-win. Yeah. Queso, queso. He's so good. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I think one of the things that I love is when you open the Bible, you really do see, when you see the story that's unfolding in these different people's lives, that it's full of people who struggle just like us, full of people who are broken and go through hard things. Uh, in the book of Psalms, so many of them are, are David crying out, going through difficult things. And I think sometimes it's, it's reassuring. One of the things, uh, a couple of things I want to read, Psalm 56 uh, 8 says, this is talking about God. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. And Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. So my question is, man, how does it make you feel to know that, as Psalm 56 says, that God has kept track of all of your sorrows? makes me feel like I'm glad I'm not God, you know? Uh, that's a tough job. Uh, it makes me want to see my file and my vial, you know? All your uh, tears bottled up. Well, for a grown man, I'm a crier. Uh, I'll just be honest about that. I, uh, I, don't, well, no, I, I don't know that I'd say I enjoy a good cry, uh, but crying is my, my reaction often, probably more often than not for a grown man. <laughs> So yeah, I feel like he's got. I think he's got a pretty decent sized shelf. Vials. Vials. <laughs> Vials. Yeah, it. I mean, it's a. It's kind of a weird thing to think about, but man, what a picture that paints! You know, mm. that imagery is just so powerful to think that God is keeping track of my sorrows. That um, they're not. They're not meaningless to Him. Mm-hmm. Mm. It also makes me think. Just being honest. Um, Man, my sorrows in comparison to other people's, man, they just pale. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's not a sorrow competition, but, man, I've just not experienced that much trauma, heartache, or hardship. And, uh, and, and, and that's convicting to me a little bit. You know, it's like, man, I want to know. I don't want to know enough to experience it. <laughs> but I want to know that I'm going to proclaim the goodness of God regardless of how sorrowful life becomes. And if I'm honest, I've just lived a really kind of, sweet life Mm. that's honest i think for me it's encouraging in now in the moment to look back and think those difficult moments where i felt alone those difficult moments where i felt sorrow and despair just the reminder god was with me in them and and even those tears themselves aren't wasted god is he's with me in all of it so the hebrews verse talks about jesus being our high priest so i mean how does it know how does knowing that Jesus is a high priest who can empathize with us comfort you in the midst of despair? I think it has such a, an effect on our relationship with God because empathy is so powerful. And if not for Jesus, I don't think we understand the empathy of God. But mm-hmm. because of Jesus, uh, we are so assured that he gets us, mm-hmm. you know? Speaking of, he gets us. That's, yeah. that's that ad, right? That's those commercials, that Super Bowl deal that got all that publicity. But what a great campaign because that's the we, heart of what they have an to empathizing say. God, mm-hmm. you know? And and the truth is, like, if we stop and we just look at God as the all powerful transcendent, there is no understanding there. But when we recognize that the all powerful transcendent hum- humiliated himself and humbled himself to the point of incarnation and becoming human, and living the human experience, fully God, fully man, game changer. 
Mm. Yeah, as, as I was thinking about this question and reading back over that verse, I was thinking to myself, what would the opposite feel like? Like, what would it feel like if we didn't have Jesus who could empathize with us? And um, I thought, man, what would that relationship even be like? And then I realized it wouldn't be a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be this entity that we probably couldn't have access to. And yeah. so this is also what makes it possible for that to be a relationship. And the reality that Jesus processed the human experience from inside skin and experienced insults and experienced persecution, experienced loss, experienced trauma. I mean, that's, that's incredible, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's just the ones we know about. Like we read about the ones where he experiences the grief of the loss of Lazarus. We don't know what happened and how he experienced and processed the grief of his earthly father, Joseph. Mm-hmm. There's a story there that's untold. Um, and man, there's an empathy there that, that we know is there. We just don't know the story behind it. Mm-hmm. I, I always think about Jesus in the garden before he's ultimately betrayed <clears throat> and, uh, just the honesty there that we are even given in the gospels of, um, him being honest with the father. Uh, this is not what I want. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want, if there's any other way, let the, let this pass. Um, and yet ultimately he, he pushes on. Um, but I just think about when, when I hear you have a high priest who's able to empathize, who's been tempted in every way, just as you are. I just think he knows what it's like to be in despair. He knows what it's like to feel sorrow, to just have really honest prayer. Uh, and, and it's just encouraging to me to know, man, when he, when I'm praying, um, he understands. Uh, so, I mean, we continue on, uh, <clears throat> here's what John sixteen thirty three says. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And also first Corinthians 15 says when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality. Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm and let nothing move you. Uh, So, man, here are two reminders of us about uh, the truth of where we are, but also what is to come. And so what does it mean? Uh, what does Jesus mean when he says that he has overcome the world? And what does it look like for us to take heart, as he said? These truths get at the, the roots of our true joy and peace. And so they're rooted in the fact that Christ has overcome, right? Our true joy and true peace are rooted in ultimate victory. And we know how the story ends. We know where it goes and we know where we go. And because of that, we have joy and peace that cannot be taken away from us in our circumstances because of the ultimate victory. That's huge, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and recognizing that he's overcome the world means like the things that plague us the most, the things that create the greatest sorrows in our heart, death and loss and grief and sin, he's defeated all of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I, I love that Jesus is always so honest um, I mean, in chapters 14, 15, and 16, he's real upfront about, here's what's about to happen. Here's what, how hard it's going to be. And you're going to be persecuted. Some of you may be killed. And even here he says, man, I'm telling you all of these things so that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, 
but in the midst of it, take heart. I have overcome the world. I just love, um, man, back to last week was good news, bad news, man, you're going to have trouble, but it's okay. This mm-hmm. is not the end. This life is not the end. Your story is not over. Well, and the way that you format that question, what does it look like for us to take heart? Uh, I think a real clear picture of what that looks like is like clinging to Jesus, like hold mm-hmm. on to Jesus in the storm, in the struggle, hold on to Jesus, hold on to truth, hold on to his overcoming power, hold on to this promise of ultimate victory, like cling to Christ. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like to take heart. Mm. And that's what it reminds me here of the first Corinthians 15 talks about this day is coming. You know, uh, that death will be swallowed up in victory and we will cry out, oh, death, where is your victory? Where, oh, death is your sting? And it's just, it's, it's a snapshot of the future that I think is, it's a way to take heart. This mm-hmm. is hard. This is difficult. But my eyes are not here. My eyes are on what's coming, what is to yeah. be. Well, think about that. Like, we will cry out, death, where is your sting? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and in the future, in eternity, that's going to be so much easier to do than it is now. <laughs> yeah. Because now, let's be honest, we feel the sting of death. We feel the sting. And yet we sing those songs and we hear those verses and it makes me think, man, what is wrong with me that in spite of the fact of my peace and joy that's in Christ that I feel the sting of death? And it's because we're, we're living in the already not yet. You know, like there's going to come a day in time. Uh, where we can say that with complete sincerity. And again, going back to in this present day where we say, death, where is your sting? But I know that I'm experiencing the sting Mm -hmm. of death. Grace has got me, you know, like it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. No, that's such a good reminder. Like in the mid, even when we sing songs that have those very words, it's like, man, I'm crying out my hardest that I know that this is true. Mm -hmm. But in days, weeks, months, years, I will feel the sting again. Yep. And this is a snapshot of a day when we sing it and it really is no more. Yep. And that doesn't make it insincere to sing it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You well, know? and like you said, God's grace, like, you know, a lot of times when we're singing, I'm singing my heart out and then thinking, help me believe. <laughs> that makes me actually think of a, a specific song, man. It's one of my go-tos, Scandalous Grace by Shane and Shane. I'm sure there's other versions out there. Uh We've played it. We've done it. We've used it some at Brad's point, but I use it all the time personally. And I encourage folks to go check it out. Scandalous Grace, because it asks in there, like, where is the sting of death? And ultimately, what helps us understand what takes away the sting of death is the scandal of grace. Hmm. Well, talking about this idea of joy in the midst of hard, I mean, considering the difficult things of life, pure joy, as James described, is not intuitive or easy. We have to take steps to change our perspective and to reveal joy in the midst of the hard things. So just getting super practical, what steps can you take to find the biblical joy the next time you're in a difficult circumstance or in your current one? It probably feels like we've got one next step that we take, you know, that we recommend taking all the time. Um, And that's not true, but man, it's our go-to. It's like, if, if this is about taking heart and taking heart is about clinging to Jesus like there's lots of places where you can find Jesus, but where's the best place to find Jesus? It's in the scriptures. It's mm-hmm. in the revealed word of God that's been revealed for our good. And like, that's where we find Christ. So how can we not, like if we're going to develop a reflex, it needs to be the reflex to go to Christ in the Bible mm-hmm. and to find him there uh, because it's the most, it's the trustworthy source. Not that people and, you know, community and we're like, there's lots of great sources, uh, but you're just not going to find anything. I don't think that you can elevate above 
finding the comfort of Christ in the Word. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that helps me sometimes, and I don't know what my answer would have been before this conversation, but especially after this conversation, um, and and I also was reading this morning about the concept of eternity, and that our lives are like a vapor, like they're that quick and then they dissipate. But eternally, we have life with Jesus. And I know sometimes if I'm going through something that just feels really hard and just consumes me and really takes over my thoughts and I have a hard time taking that step back and taking heart, um, reminding myself of eternity can be helpful. Um, reminding myself and and even in the span of a lifetime that sometimes helps me to get to that place where it's like, okay, this is shaping me somehow, (laughs) even if I don't see it yet. Um, I'm just, I I can trust that it's shaping me somehow. So even in the span of my lifetime, there's that hope. But then especially when I start thinking about eternity, it puts it into perspective for me. Not that it's not still hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think I just, I would want to close in this whole conversation with with folks is like God is gentle and he is patient. Mm -hmm. Um, So be gentle and patient with yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's also my hope with this question is, when the hard and the chaos of life come come crashing into your world, finding things pure joy is not easy or intuitive. It's not natural. And I'm more thinking, man, if, if you're in the midst of it, man, what steps can you take? And also, if you're not in the midst of it right now, what can you do now to better prepare you for when that does happen? When the sting of death and chaos and sin come into your life? And I think both of your answers were so good. Like, I mean, be in his word, understand, build up an understanding of, of what is true about Jesus and us, and also having perspective, Shelly, like you said, like, this hurts. But in the grand scheme of things, like, we know who wins, we know where we will be, and our our current, I mean, the scripture describes, like, our current struggles are, do not compare to Well, the, and, and that speaks to me, too, of the value of being in community. Right, like be in community now, so that when life happens, you're already surrounded. Mm-hmm. Um, that's huge. And I remember vividly, like watching friends who were experiencing loss, and and weren't in community and and didn't have that kind of connection. And and that was what made them realize, is, I wish we'd have already been prepared mm-hmm. with having this kind of deal around us, where where we have the support system of fellow Christ followers that are going to love us in our loss, but also remind us of the goodness of God when we're having a hard time mm-hmm. seeing it ourselves. And what revealed to them that that absence of community in their life was seeing others going through loss simultaneously, different loss, and seeing what it looked like for them to have it. Mm. It's powerful. I like what you said earlier about uh, be patient. God is patient and gentle. And when we feel like we're not achieving these things in the midst of uh, it's okay you know, it's okay to, to not just immediately feel joy in the heart, but also your, your step of finding, being in community. I just think about when you don't have it, there are people around you who can help mm-hmm. and not just get you through literally what you need to get through, but they can hold your arms up. They, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and not by just giving you answers or here's, you know, but just care in their presence. And I think mm-hmm. they, the people absolutely can help you to find joy 
yep. in the midst of the hard things. So. Makes me think of the paralyzed man and, you know, the friends carried mm-hmm. him to Jesus. And sometimes we're the paralyzed man and sometimes we're the friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, sometimes we're paralyzed people trying to drag other paralyzed people, right? <laughs> like sometimes ain't nobody's <laughs> body functioning. <laughs> I just want to be the guy who ripped a hole in the roof on that story. <laughs> yeah. And the chosen, it's a woman. Oh, is it? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, awesome. yeah buddy. <laughs> oh, cool. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you guys have enjoyed it, and we will catch you next week.